Welcome to the Work Minus Podcast. We talk about what we need to drop from the way we think about work and what we need to replace it with to be prepared for the future. Go to workminus.com to see a transcript of this episode, more podcasts, articles, and a newsletter that connects you to the best ideas about work. All right, enjoy the show. Well, welcome back to Work Minus, where we talk about how to build a digital culture that can thrive into the future of work. Today, our guest is Frank Cottle. He's the founder and CEO of Alliance Virtual Offices, and this episode is Work Minus the Baggage. Hi, Frank. How are you doing today? Neil, doing just fine. Thank you. We are so excited to talk to you. You are a pioneer of, in a lot of ways in the world of remote work. So why don't you give us a little bit of background about who you are and a very short glimpse, because we've been talking before and there's a lot to say, but just give us a quick background of, of who you are. Well, I, I'm not the youngest guy in the, the room, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, my career spans more than 50 years. Uh, I started as a commercial diver uh, during the Vietnam era, working for one of our federal agencies. Uh, Turned that into a yachting career for about 10 years. I raced uh, yachts and a broker yacht around the world. And then uh, in 1979-80, started the company that we, or the predecessor company to our our current organization. Uh, And we started land banking, uh, building buildings in which we established uh, what were then called executive suites. We built a number of projects across the southwestern United States in California, Arizona, and Texas. That's how we learned how to manage remote work, and that's how we learned how to manage the technology behind it. We explored and built a lot of that technology with uh, Bell Labs uh, and uh, GTE. We were the the first commercial installation that uh, simultaneously transmitted both voice and data over a single pair of cable. We had to build... uh, modify their big digital phone switches as were just coming out then, connect them to many computers and build a, a custom box in, in between to, to do all of that. But uh, in 1980, 81, we actually had uh, simultaneous voice and data being pushed out to desktop units that were touchscreen, hmm. managing uh, both telecoms and computing. And that was fully interactive with our clerical, secretarial and administrative staff, uh, providing all business services that were required to the clients uh, and doing all billing and invoicing simultaneously. So we've pioneered operating systems to make businesses and buildings work. Yeah. I got to ask you, after all that technology that you've seen, you know, back even in the 80s, what is it that impresses you about where we are today? I mean, do you feel like we've advanced much beyond we can put funny background screens behind us or is that about it? Uh, yeah, I, I think the technology back then was... Uh, well, you mentioned the word pioneer. You know, they say pioneers get stuck full of arrows. Uh, so the technology back then was, I mean, PCs didn't exist. I mean, so that uh, was, was quite revolutionary, but it was so, so far ahead of what the common user understood that we spent most of our time explaining it and, and a lot, a lot of our time using it. So today, uh, technology is ubiquitous, and uh, the smartphone that I carry around is more powerful than uh, the mini computer that was in that office, probably more powerful than, you know, a supercomputer of that era. Uh, We're entering Gen Z, which is a first native generation that's totally digital, and that's exciting, uh, because they're only going to think that way. So as we progress, uh, people like myself that have gone from analog to digital and 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 now we think in terms of virtual reality and, and, and augmented reality structures and things of that nature um that's the only way that the younger generation thinks and it's very exciting to, to me 
very exciting. So we're talking here at the end of August in 2020. So everyone's talking about COVID-19, this massive instant migration we made to remote work. So what's been your personal reflection on on seeing this move? Is it, is it kind of like, well, yeah, it was supposed to happen a long time ago, or what's been your reaction? Well, you know, it, it's funny. We work with a lot of very large companies, uh, global Fortune 1000 types, and um, so many of them, the head of facilities has been working with the head of HR, who's been working with the head of IT, uh, all on a giant initiative, like a giant ERP initiative, to set up flexible work in their company. Uh, you can't win the talent for battle these days if you don't have a good flexible work program. People don't want to work for you. So they're all on the, everybody's been on the cusp of this, looking at it as a giant thing. And then uh, our, the, our current pandemic came along and, and they got kicked in the butt and everybody just did it. And they find out from the, the reaction that we're getting and talking to people, hey, this wasn't so hard. Yeah. Hey, great. And I can just imagine that same CFO who started that initiative walking through the corporate headquarters with their mask on uh, today, looking around and saying, gosh, we got 300,000 square feet here and it's empty. <laughs> And the company's doing just fine. I don't need any of this. And I think that's where it'll go. Uh, some of it, of course. Yeah. But the concept of a corporate headquarters isn't going to be a facility um, uh, uh, that's got uh, uh, 10 floors of, 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 uh, of 50,000 feet and 5,000 people working there. It's going to be a corporate headquarters. And you'll have a core team and a support team there. Um, but um, all of the people, so to speak, um, are going to be working not just from their homes. That's not realistic in the long term, but uh, on a flexible workspace basis. And what that will do to the corporation is not just change the way they work, but it'll change their balance, their value structure to their shareholders. If you can shed half of the space that you have from your balance sheet, which is a long-term commitment, uh, and exchange that with space that you have a, a short-term commitment to that doesn't sit on your balance sheet. Well, that frees you up from so much debt and liability that you can now raise additional layers of capital for growth. Um, you can have better credit ratings, uh, better returns, et cetera. And I think the issue around changes in work is that there's, there's three things that all companies need. All companies that are going to grow need a, a good product, of course. Um, they need access to capital. And now they need flexibility. And if they don't have flexibility, they will not be sustainable. So you've got to have, it's kind of almost contradictory to say you have to have sustainable flexibility now in your work structure and in your entire business organization. Uh, and, and that real estate is the, probably the least flexible thing there is yeah uh, and and that that is uh, radically changing as a result of, of what we see here before we get deep into the digital side of things what do you feel like is the future of physical what's the future of the physical office after this you know i don't think people are going to be rushing back to the office in large droves there's, there's going to be this balance we're going to try to figure out what's going to happen so what do you think is going to happen i don't want to get into the the the, the health side or the political side or any of that but you know, we've worked around the world in this company. I've worked around the world, every, everywhere in the world, for 50 years. 
I've seen, I guess I'll say 10 pandemics. Uh, I've seen uh, any variety of recessions and depressions and wars and, and all variety of things going on in different places. And I don't think this time next year, um, people are going to be going, oh, I'm afraid to go to the office. I, I think a lot of, if you really analyze the data that we're starting to see now, and I'm kind of a data freak, we'll probably look back at this and say, you know, we might overreacted a little bit. Um, uh, there are certain things we should probably think about just in general. Um, uh, the cleanliness is going to be the new norm, that's for sure. We're going to be a big emphasis in, uh, uh, you know, in, in the way we do things. Um, the way we organize space is going to be different. But you probably think of office space as a lot of companies have always used the term of, of occupiers. Well, we have a thousand occupiers in this space, and that's referring to the, the workforce that's there. Um, we've been thinking for the last five or seven years that there are no occupiers anymore. There are only travelers. So we look at the workplace as a fluid. Um, we don't say go to the office. We think of the, the activity of officing. Uh, and we look at it as a fluid issue where you work from your home, you work from a remote workspace uh, that could be a co-working or a business center. Uh, you work uh, on the road from a hotel or, or, or that, and you also work in your office. And I'll use my myself as a good example. I used to have a nice big fancy office overlooking the beach here in Newport, and I was felt real, real happy with myself. Today, I've got about five or six offices, and they're tiny because uh, I really don't didn't need all that stuff. Uh, and I, I need to be in certain places at certain times. That's more important than uh, having a big corner office anywhere. And we'll, those big corner offices, when you say digitally, how are things going to change? Those big corner offices are going to arrive starting in 2022 and 23 in the form of software. So you'll, uh, we're working with some of the larger gaming companies right now developing uh, virtual reality offices. So the amount of space necessary uh, for a new structure, uh, new office structure is going to be substantially less as a result of the technology we'll be deploying uh, in the form of software for those virtual reality offices. You'll be able to create a 2000 foot luxury office overlooking Park Avenue or Central Park or the beach, wherever you want very easily and, and function inside of that office and it'll be a headset a pair of haptic gloves. So that will change the space requirements, particularly in high density markets like New York. Um, and the changes in space requirements as they're reduced will change city function. And uh, a lot of real estate's gonna end up being uh, revalued and repurposed. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, the best way you can support us is to leave a review in your favorite podcast app, or better yet, start a conversation with a friend about how you think we can make work better. Thanks. My wife's a realtor, so we were talking about even just the nature of houses after this, as if people decide to do more working from home, if that becomes a, a large spike, like most houses aren't built for people to live in constantly throughout the day. Um, only it's, it's a fairly recent phenomenon to see that. So even 
how houses, offices, everything else is kind of set up in this this idea. And like you said, you don't you don't need a ton of space to have an efficient office. You just need a some dedicated room there. So that that's very interesting. Yeah, no, it, you do, and and I think too though that if everybody worked from their home every day, you would see that's an incredibly inefficient structure. Uh, when people go to an office environment, uh, they're grouped. Uh, and in that grouping, you get certain efficiencies. Uh, HVAC is a good example. Energy uh, overall is a good example. Uh, right now, you're working from your home, and if it's cold out, you have to heat your entire home to be comfortable working there. So instead of being part of a, a floor that's heated where there's maybe 200 people even generating heat off the computers and the people themselves, um, you've got to heat your entire house. You've got to power your entire house. Yeah, true. Uh, et cetera. You're carrying the burden of the office real estate cost on behalf of your corporation. And what we saw in the late 80s during the, there was a big surge of the Clean Air Act uh, for telecommuting. Uh, there was a big surge where telecommuting was actually mandated in certain environments uh, if you had a company over a certain size. And we found that as soon as that happened, and people had were forced by their employer to go work from their house one, two, three, five days a week. Um, guess what? A lot of them came back and said, well, how much rent are you going to pay me? It, this might not be a safe workplace. Yeah. I've got children and I've got a piece of equipment in this house that might uh, provide a safe workplace. What are the ergonomics in the household? Are they suitable, et cetera? So uh, you, when you talk about redeploying people to their homes and the way homes will be rebuilt, they're going to have to consider all of those things and employment structures are going to have to consider those things as well. Yeah. I think most employers will want to put their people into flexible workspace structures, uh, take the balance sheet benefit, uh, cut the commute time, uh, et cetera. Uh, we're seeing that that's the, the, the whole flexible workspace industry has been growing phenomenally uh, for the last seven or eight years. And that seems to be the choice as opposed to putting people inside of their, their households. So you're imagining uh, almost like neighborhood work centers where everyone's going to be a, a biking distance away from a, a place where you can work with others? It could be biking, could be walking, could be public transportation, or in California, we're not going to get rid of our cars, or we're going to refuse that. It really depends on, on what culturally is going on in, 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 in the neighborhood and in the world. Uh, as you know, things are different in many other parts of the world for that. If somebody's going to look at something a little different, I think the way uh, transportation works is going to be looked at a little differently. I don't mind going to an office uh, today. Uh, I'm already somewhat socially distanced, uh, so to speak. But I'll be darned if I'm going to ride the, the tube in London. Okay? Uh, so trains, public transportation, metros, subways, things of that nature uh, have to be rethought if you're going to go down that road much more than um, office space. Well, let's make the shift to digital. What is it about the digital workspace that will need to advance in most companies? What what have they missed in this transition to uh, that we're making now? I think everything is is very much um, set fixed in place. Uh, mobility is uh, growing, uh, but mobility will have to be uh, the watchword uh, in in the future absolute mobility uh, and it won't be 
the the sales team and it won't be the, a, a particular group is going to have to be everybody uh, going to be highly mobile and have equal amount of functionality when they're mobile uh, and that's going to mean uh, just gobs of bandwidth uh, and there are certain areas uh, in Europe right now that are saying, well, let's see, it's, bandwidth is almost a, a right. It's not a, not a privilege anymore. It's a right because you can't get social services. You can't, get, you can't function without it in the world. And so as, as companies rethink mobility, that need is going to be even greater. Uh, and... Uh, our ability to to meet digitally will change a little bit. Uh, right now, we're looking at holographic structures. Uh, like we had our first holographic receptionist in 1984. Uh, so we were experimenting. She was in, a, in in this box full of mirrors. It was really creepy. <laughs> but it worked. It worked. So holographic uh, meeting uh, structures are coming along. Uh, I think we're on the cusp of that, uh, where you can enter in, into a... a a room with another person, um, uh, have a two-way structure. Uh, I, I know that uh, virtual officing will become virtual reality officing. Uh, uh, so you'll be able to meet you know, more in a three-dimensional structure as opposed to a, a two-dimensional structure like we do today. I think everybody's comfort level, uh, take yours and mine as an example. Um, we're both on video right now. Five years ago, we would have been doing screen sharing and, and voice. It's only in the last, I'll say, 18 months or so to where people have gotten over the self-consciousness of being on video and, 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 and gained a comfort level. And, and, and they really expressed themselves as if they were in the room and as comfortably as if they were in the room. Uh, as that continues to grow than the migration to virtual reality officing and holographic meetings and things of that nature uh, will uh, migrate as well. Uh, we won't have a officing structure like we do today in 10 years. It will be 90% digital uh, and the space will be repurposed. Uh, it'll free up a lot of space for residential or a lot of space for growth. We don't need any more buildings in the world, in my opinion, right now. Well, Frank, we're calling this episode Work Minus Baggage. You mentioned earlier about you know Gen Z coming up, a, a totally native generation building businesses. Uh, what do you think is, is the baggage that they are going to drop and never come back to that the rest of us are going to give them? And what are they going to keep? I don't think they're going to drop any baggage. I think they're going to arrive without it. Uh, I think there's a big difference. Uh, uh, and, and I'll use travel as a good example. We used to see people travel from place to place, they would have three or four suitcases and all sorts of stuff. Okay, now you see the same three or four people, it's all carry-on or, 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 or it's a backpack. So we've all shared a lot of things uh, and we found out we just don't need. Uh, and I think Gen Z, because of its comfort in the digital environment, uh, it's not going to, to arrive with the baggage um, in some respects. Dependence of Gen Z, however, on being totally glued to technology uh, is going to be interesting to see how that changes uh, the social end of society uh, and continues to see a migration there. I think that the group will be very much free thinking, very much demanding, uh, will not be feeling as entitled as, as some other generations have found um, uh, and also are, are not going to want to uh, 
they're going to want to explore what to do, not be necessarily be told what to do. So I think they'll be much more objectively driven as opposed to task driven. I like that. I think there's a lot to look forward to, a lot to see what's going to develop. Uh, Frank, thanks so much for not only being on the show, but just all the work you've done and, and paving the way for this. I know it's not just one person that's doing anything, but um, there's a lot of, we need people to be on the forefront of this stuff decades ahead of what's going on. So uh, I appreciate that work and helping us get to where we are now. Well, my pleasure. And anything we can do to help you, just let us know. Sure. And uh, where can people go if they want to learn more about you and your companies? Uh, the easiest two places I'll give you would be AllianceVirtualOffices.com. Um, that tells a little bit about one of our core companies, uh, and I can be reached through that company. Or um, a publication that we, we have called AllWork.Space. If you're just interested in the flexible workspace industry and what's going on and all the different activities around mobility in the workplace and remote working, uh, all work is uh, by far the largest uh, publication uh, where you can resource that information. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Frank, for being on the show and sharing what you know with us. My pleasure. <laughs>